up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Top 5 at 5 with your host, Johnny Quest. Today is Wednesday, July 29th. Hump day! Here's what you missed while you were out dodging the news. Okay, here's a small update to the Russian bounty story we spoke about a couple weeks back. That's the one where the FBI and CIA believe that Russia is paying the Taliban bounty money for killing American soldiers, but the NSA disagrees with the intelligence, so President Trump doesn't believe it either. I'm guessing not because the NSA said anything, but more because he doesn't want Putin to look bad, since that could make him look bad, and we all know he makes decisions based on ratings. And so he did recently sit down with Axios for an interview and confirmed that, no, he has never confronted Putin about this intelligence, even as recently as this week's call, no matter how credible the evidence. Quote, pressed on why he didn't raise the matter in Thursday's call, he said that was a phone call to discuss other things. And frankly, that's an issue that many people said was fake news. Now, in 2018, General John Nicholson, then the top U.S. commander in Afghanistan, accused Russia of providing money and arms to the group, saying, we know that the Russians are involved. Trump told Axios on HBO that he was not aware of Nicholson's comments and said evidence that Russia was aiding the Taliban never reached my desk, end quote. And so this gets compounded when you realize that the military is leaving the region finally, but it's leaving it in the hands of the Russians to manage. And at the same time, it was announced today that we're also pulling out about 12,000 troops from Germany. They say that it's to strengthen NATO somehow, but remember the reason that troops are even stationed there is to, one, show resilience against Russia, and two, strengthen the resolve of the West, visible in Europe against Eastern communism. So if over 5,000 of those troops are returning to the U.S., where exactly is the Russian pressure? Admittedly, Germany does need to put more cash into the pot for NATO defense, but these are not NATO defense troops, and I don't see how withdrawing troops from Rammstein really forces them to the table. We're only hurting our own interests here. Meanwhile, back in D.C., the big fang tech companies, that's usually Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, but this time without Netflix, because I guess they got to chill. Sorry, terrible joke. Anyways, the CEOs of the big tech companies were all getting grilled this afternoon by the House in an antitrust hearing. It's still ongoing as I record this, but so far the highlights are these. So it looks like a lot of the focus so far has been on Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg and the acquisition of Instagram back in 2012. Quote, Facebook viewed Instagram as a powerful threat that could siphon business away from Facebook. Representative Jim Sessenbrenner, Republican of Wisconsin, said in the hearing. Rather than compete with it, Facebook bought it, end quote. Although Zuck's defense is just that Instagram winning it all wasn't inevitable at the time. Well, as for Google, CEO Sundar Pichai kept getting peppered with questions from Republicans regarding the quote-unquote anti-conservative agenda of Google. It seems like Democrats are actually asking about anti-competitive behavior, and Republicans just want to make this a partisan conversation. Democrats, that's 
did hit at the double-click acquisition and the data gathering that Google was doing. Republicans asked why their politics emails are going to their spam folder. Great. Tim Cook is barely getting asked any questions. And then Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos was getting questions about predatory pricing and pushing Amazon products ahead of their competitors, which they firmly deny doing, although he did say he could not verify whether that policy has ever been broken. So great. I guess the basic rundown of the show is this. Democrats are asking antitrust questions. Republicans are looking for tech support. I'll update y'all tomorrow if anything else drops. Kodak is back, baby, again for the third time or Maybe, maybe the fourth, they're an old company, but they're back and different because now they're apparently pivoting to healthcare. Yeah, I know. Sounds weird, but it kind of makes sense. It takes chemistry to make film and Kodak, king of the 35 millimeter, has thousands of chemists on hand. And technically, they used to own Sterling Drug back in the day, which was the maker of Bayer Aspirin under the same auspice, Synergy in Chemical Technologies. They also worked heavily in the X-ray film industry, so healthcare isn't that foreign to them. The current CEO of Kodak, Jim Continenza, told the Wall Street Journal that Kodak has a long history in chemical and and advanced materials and said the company's existing infrastructure will enable Kodak Pharmaceuticals to get up and running quickly. So yesterday, the Kodak stock jumped through the roof, did three backflips and scored a touchdown and a slam dunk at the same time because it jumped a 1900% in a single day. And then today continued to climb another 500%. Although as of this recording, it's back to around 400% increase, which is pretty huge because it was trading for less than a dollar at the beginning of this week. And this is all staggering. Well, why such a huge increase? Well, the U.S. government gave them a $765 million loan to help make some of the ingredients in COVID-fighting drugs. They then said they plan on launching a pharmaceuticals division and expect to make about 30 to 45% of their revenue from the healthcare market. President Trump on Tuesday described the Kodak agreement as one of the most important deals in the history of U.S. pharmaceutical industries. Hyperbolic much? Sheesh. So this marks like the third or fourth coming of Kodak. Obviously, they reigned supreme with camera film, but after failing to pivot to digital early on, yeah, remember a Kodak engineer famously invented the first digital camera, but they never capitalized on it. Well, then they tried to switch to being a, a printer company, and then they went bankrupt and came back as a digital services company. They even had their own cryptocurrency for photo validation at one point, though I haven't heard much about that in a while. And it seems that they still will always stay a step behind old-time rival Fujifilm. They pivoted to healthcare years ago and even had their own contender for Rona fighting drugs this year. But overall, this is good news for American companies and American workers. Kodak expects at least 300 new jobs to arise from this deal. Now, I always say 
the facts matter. But you know what else matters? Math. Yeah, math matters. And decimal points could be the difference between a regular bill and wiping out your bank account. Because it looks like the cute homemade online craft store Etsy made an oopsie. When they mistakenly programmed a decimal point error in their shipping price calculations. Quote, I just lost $11,000. Emptied my Etsy account, drained my bank account, maxed out my overdraft protection, and maxed out my credit card. All for what should have been $110 in labels, tweeted one seller. Ouch. The glitch also caused many merchants to stop sending out packages with labels printed from Etsy, which has over 2.8 million sellers. Fortunately, the company began fixing the problem last night. End quote. Yeah, Etsy is refunding the monies too. So for all sellers that were overcharged and were hit with overdraft fees, Etsy also plans to cover those as well, as long as you submit all the paperwork. Now, I don't know about that new math that they're teaching in today's schools, but hopefully this was just a boo-boo and hopefully no one lost their job all can recover quickly from this giant mistake okay this last story just made me laugh because well it shouldn't even be a story why are we talking about this i don't know our leader is an idiot so here's the thing we we had opening day last week for the majors I talked about it. I love baseball. But what I may not have mentioned, because it's not really that important, is that the person that threw out the first pitch in Washington, D.C., home of the Washington Nationals, the reigning World Series champions, was not the president, but Dr. Anthony Fauci, currently most of America's medical sweetheart. But there's a snowflake, I'm taking that word back, in the Oval Office that was so upset that he didn't get the invite that he decided to tell a tale to reporters that afternoon saying that he too had been invited to throw out an opening pitch for the hometown Yankees of all teams. Yeah, he said, quote, Randy Levine is a great friend of mine from the Yankees, referring to the president of the baseball team. And he asked me to throw out the first pitch. And I think I'm doing that on August 15th at Yankee Stadium. There was just one problem. Mr. Trump had not actually been invited on that day by the Yankees, according to a person with knowledge of his schedule. His announcement surprised both Yankee officials and the White House staff. But Mr. Trump had been so annoyed by Dr. Fauci's turn in the limelight, an official familiar with his reaction said that he had directed his aides to call Yankee officials and make good on a longtime standing offer from Mr. Levine to throw out an opening pitch. But no date was ever finalized, end quote. So then they scrambled to quote unquote cancel it. Yeah. So there we have it. That's our fearless leader. Scared of Putin, but quick to fib for the clout. Listen, I ain't gonna hold you. He's a clown. Well, my beautiful people, those are my top five news stories for the day. And for the five of you still listening, earmuff the kiddos because fuck cancer. As always, remember to stay focused. Stay proud, stay dedicated in all you do. Dodge the rest, catch up with Quest. I got you with the news.